0: Welcome to the chosen business owner where Michelle real will be interviewing entrepreneurs, franchisers, and more to learn how to build the perfect business. Michelle is an entrepreneur who has over 25 years of business experience. She is excited to build a community with other driven entrepreneurs and business owners. Michelle's hope is that this podcast will inspire you to continue pressing forward on your business journey as a chosen business owner dream of being your own boss? Are you looking to expand your current home service business by adding additional services? When you own a Tyga franchise, these dreams become a reality. Whether you have tons of business experience or none at all, Tyga Tree Service is with you every step of the way to help you grow your business. Tiger Tree Service provides superior residential and commercial tree removal services in an essential and growing industry. Our services consist of tree trimming and pruning, tree removals, stump grinding, storm damage, fire mitigation, lot clearing, and emergency tree service. The franchise business model is based on 20 plus years of industry experience and covers everything you need to know to be successful. If interested in hearing more about starting your own Taiga Tree Removal Service franchise, please head to taigafranchising.com. Now let's get the show started.
1: Well, welcome to the Chosen Business Owners Podcast. I'm your host, Michelle Reel. And today we get the opportunity and the pleasure to speak with Michael Shapiro. And he is the founder and CEO of TapInto.net, and I'm just really excited to talk with you today to hear about your entrepreneurial journey and to hear about how you built TapInto. And so, uh, Michael, welcome to the podcast.
2: Oh, well, thanks so much for having me, Michelle.
1: Absolutely. So, if you want to um, maybe just get started and telling us a little bit about yourself, kind of how your entrepreneurial journey started and and how you you know came to you know starting TapInto, um, that'd be great.
2: Sure, sure. Well, um, about 15 years ago, I was an attorney in New York and I was commuting back and forth from New Providence, New Jersey. And uh, I had been doing that for about five years. And I learned that my son, who was one at the time, and today he's 16 and he's fine, but I learned that he needed open heart surgery. And it just re- really made me rethink what I was doing because during his whole first year of life, I was like never home. So I wanted to do something where I could see my wife and son. I could do something that I really wanted to do and I could help the community at the same time. And so I came up with this idea of starting an all online objective local news site for my old hometown of New Providence, New Jersey. And um, when I started it, um, the idea was, hey, I'm going to start this and uh, I'm gonna try to make a, a career out of it. And what wound up happening was within a couple of weeks, people in our neighboring towns, Berkeley Heights and Summit reached out to me and said, hey, can you start this in our town? And I did. And then people in Chatham and Milburn, two other neighboring towns, reached out to me and said, hey, can you start this in our town? And I did. And I left my job in New York to do it full time. And um, for a period of years, I worked on building those five global news sites, their content, their revenue, um, their traffic, et cetera. Um, but during that five-year period, I kept getting requests from other people to expand to their town. But I had to keep saying no, because I couldn't do any more sites myself. Um, and so I started thinking, you know, how could we expand yet keep it really local? Because to me, the key being that the sites do original local news coverage every day, and they develop relationships with the local businesses in town. And finally, I came up with this idea of, in effect, franchising local news, looking for people who would want to start tapping to in their own town as their own business where we provide the training, the backend, the technology, the support, et cetera. So we started franchising about 10 years ago, and today we have more than 95 franchise tap into local news and digital marketing platforms.
1: That's amazing. So I was noticing it looked like you're in just three states or are you in more states than three? And if you are in three, why just three? How did you end up just in three?
2: Sure, sure. So, um, we're actually in, um, currently we're in New Jersey, New York, uh, Pennsylvania, and Florida. Um, we have, uh, three franchisees in, uh, Florida. We have one in Pennsylvania, six in New York, and then we have 87 or so in New Jersey. Um, we can franchise in pretty much any state. Um, but typically when we're franchising, it's people reaching out to us. And so, um, being on a podcast like this is fantastic because we get the word out to people who don't necessarily know that we exist, who might want to do this in California or Oregon or other states like that, that we'd love to expand to.
1: Yeah. So are you one of the only franchises that does this particular kind of, you know, news broadcast?
2: To my knowledge, we're the only uh, franchise that does online news in the whole country, Um, which is pretty exciting, you know? And and it's interesting, too, because there's uh, there's a lot of, uh, you know, in local news, there's there's such a need for local news. There's 10,000 towns in the country that have no local newspaper, no local news site. There's so many local newspapers that are either going out of business or downsizing. A lot of these local newspapers have been bought up by like multinational conglomerates that have then slashed the newsroom and closed uh, these newspapers. So there's such a need for this. And so... um Obviously, it's my business, but it's also my passion because to me, it's so important that people know what's going on in their town. And it's so important for the town to have like an engaged citizenry. And what we find in in every town that we have a tap into site is that it brings the community together because it um, the, the people in the town know what's going on. Um, the nonprofits in the town and the for-profit businesses in town have a way of marketing to the local residents. And the local residents then p- patronize those, those businesses and those nonprofits. So in every town that we're in, it creates this you know virtuous circle in every town that we're in. And it helps to build community, which I think is so important.
1: Oh, for sure. So then with the local businesses, you're actually doing marketing for them as well. So marketing for their companies. So it's not just the local news about what's going on, but you're marketing for products and services for those companies.
2: Yeah. So our um, our revenue model um, is uh, 100% um, advertising based. Um, we do not have a paywall, so it's free for everyone to read. It's also free to get the morning newsletter. We believe really strongly in not having a paywall or having a subscription because we believe people, regardless of their socioeconomic background, should be able to know what's going on in their town. So since the beginning, I've built the model based 100% on advertising. And that advertising ranges from um, content marketing, which is like one of the hottest things in terms of digital marketing, to traditional banner advertising, video advertising, email marketing, and social media marketing that our local franchisees, our owner publishers, are able to provide to those local businesses. Um, one of the also kind of interesting things about the model is is that when there are multiple tap into sites in an area, like there's only one per town, or and sometimes like if towns share the same school system um they're they're grouped together as one tap into site but most local businesses they want to reach the people in their town but they'd also like to reach people in towns nearby so if there are tap into sites nearby they're able to do that effectively and affordably and um and that also helps to increase the revenue of all of our franchisees in the system as well
1: wow and i love the fact that it's free because i find it so frustrating when i see um a news article maybe on Facebook or Instagram and I go and tap on it and they're like and that'll be 4.99 a month and I'm like no I just wanted to read this article I didn't I didn't want to pay 4.99 a month Yeah and,
2: and and that to me you know is is really key because when you think when you think about it like um our sites obviously they're they're covering you know things like high school sports and events in town and what I call like heartstring stories if there's a uh, someone who needs a liver transplant or things like that but also part of their core coverage it's covering like the town council meetings and the board of ed meetings and things like that, which to me is really important for democracy. And so if you have a paywall, there is a large portion of the town that doesn't know what their government is doing, which is not a good thing. Um, and, you know, and all the elected officials I talk with, they all feel the same way, which is we want people to know what's going on. We don't want people to be, to not know what's going on. But if you have a paywall, you're automatically limiting that content and restricting it from, you know, people who either, um, are are not able to afford it or don't see it as a priority in their life, um, to, to pay for local news. And then they don't know what's going on on their board of education, their town council, their planning board, their zoning board, et cetera.
1: So what would you say when you, when you think about like print advertising, because you guys are in essence sort of print, but you're digital print. You're not, you're not a print magazine, right? Um, So when you look at print advertising, where people in business go out and they advertise on print, what would you say the biggest difference or the benefits would be more for doing digital marketing versus doing like print advertising that's delivered to your local mailbox?
2: Sure, well, with online advertising, um, everything is trackable. So for example, with um, advertising that runs on the site, we can tell you how many times that ad was seen, how many times that ad was clicked on by one of our readers. For content that's on the site, we can tell you how many people read that content, how much time they spent reading that content. Um, For email marketing, we can tell you how many people opened the email, how many people clicked on the email, where they clicked in the email. So it's a lot more transparent for the um, advertiser and more accountable, which I think is really important. The other thing is, is that, you know, whereas it used to be that the majority of people got their news in hard copy newspapers and stuff like that, Today, a vast majority of people get their news online. Um, so we're also reaching more people um, than you would in print. And um, and just like with the advertising, all of our um, articles, et cetera, are fully tracked as well. So we can tell you like, for example, um, this month, I checked our statistic this morning. Um, our articles have been read over 7 million times this month. Um, we have you know, 240,000 people that get our morning newsletter. Each site has its own Facebook page. So across Facebook, we have over 325,000 followers and we can track this on, on, you know, a a second by second basis on all of our sites in the network. Um, And so that's really important too, to be able to tell, you know, a potential advertiser, hey, here's how many people actually read our site versus here's our print newspaper, which, you know, we mail to this many households or we drop on this many doorsteps, but you have no idea how many people are actually reading it, how many people are reading the articles, et cetera. Um, which I think is really important these days.
1: Absolutely. Because right with print advertising, you might be able to track the call coming in from a lead, but other than that, you have no idea if a hundred people picked up the ad and read it and only five calls or so you, yeah, you have a lot, it sounds like you have a lot better idea of the ratio on that as well
2: yeah absolutely and you can also you know with online you can do a lot of creative things like um, a number of our advertisers have featured columns on the site that they can write as often as they want in which they can not only include unlimited photos but they can embed video um, you can embed video on any of the content um, businesses can put sales on our calendar for example realtors can put up open houses um, funeral homes can post obituaries you know all this kind of stuff um, are things that is very hard to do in a print newspaper or can be very expensive. I mean, one of the newspaper, the main newspaper in New Jersey, um, actually charges a thousand dollars for an obituary now. And, you know, with us, um, if you're a funeral home, that's advertising, it's included as part of your advertising package. If you're not advertising, it's $50 to post a, an obituary, obituary on your local tap into site. So it's also very affordable for businesses and nonprofits to market themselves, uh, effectively
1: yeah and so do you help them put together the ads and things for the businesses do you help create those and then have the you know like maybe going to mess like facebook messenger where people can talk to people that are like do you do all of that kind of setup for the businesses that advertise with you guys
2: yeah i mean when when i first started tap into um uh about 80 percent of businesses needed us to design their ads and their and their you know email blasts and things like that which we did Today it's reversed. Today, it's twenty percent need those services, which we provide to them. Um, so if they already have their artwork and and they're good to go, that's great. But if they need it, we have uh, independent graphic designers that can design you know the the ads, the email blasts, et cetera for them um, and make it as easy as possible for them.
1: gotcha. And it I was reading, and it sounds like your readers have gone up significantly because I think I read on your LinkedIn profile that you had, was it 20 million viewers last year, but it sounds like you just said you had 7 million alone in one month. So it sounds like you're breaking records for sure. Yeah. I mean, our traffic continues to
2: increase like, you know, (laughs) every day basically, which is great. Um, and, um, which I think is also, it just kind of tells you that people, you know, really want to know what's going on in their town. Um, you know, there's, this philosophy out there that people don't care about local news, and what we have found is exactly the opposite. They really do care. Um, it's just a matter that in a lot of towns in this in the country, there is no local news, and so that's why they you, you you hear oh people don't care about it, but they care about it. There's just nobody providing it, and that's why you know we're helping to kind of what I say is like bloom the news desert that is taking place in so many towns in the country. Um, you know, you know one of the other trends that's occurring which is not a positive thing is is not not only about hard you know the local hard copy newspapers going out of business or downsizing but then you have you know um corporations you have politicians you have political action committees that are starting local news sites with no disclosure to the reader that they're in effect captive and that's really dangerous because if you're a local reader and you're going to a site you think it's providing you with objective news, but in reality, it has a political agenda to it. That to me is really dangerous. So like all of our tapping to sites are required to be objective. We follow the society of professional drillers ethics, and we also don't have an editorial page. So we don't tell people how to vote or what to think. We don't even have comments or anonymous comments. Um, you can comment on the Facebook page for each site, but not on the site itself, because one, we want people um, not to worry about their kids coming on the site and reading the, the local news. Uh, we want it to be kid-friendly. But second is is that um, we, we, it's really important for trust and credibility that the sites be objective and provide original, objective local news reporting every day.
1: I I love that. I absolutely love that. Like just give people the information and then let them make their own decisions and come to their own conclusions and do more research if they need to. And I, I love that, that's that's awesome. So what what's your vision for the company um, going forward? I mean, 95, I think you said 95 franchises, I mean, that's incredible. And I mean, it sounds like you've got a lot of growth potential. Um, what do you kind of see for your vision as for the company?
2: Yeah, I mean, I'd like to try to scale this, you know, all over the country um, and, you know, our systems here are fully scalable, meaning that you know, we could be in 50 more communities a week from now. Um, that's not an issue. The issue for me is finding the people interested in starting this in their communities. Um, so I think the future for us are one, finding people that are interested in, uh, uh, in doing it in their own community. Second is finding more people that are interested in creating like a mini network of tapping into sites within our network so for example, someone who might say, hey, you know, I want to do um, you know, I wanna I wanna do sites in Palm Beach County, Florida. And then they create their own network within ours, which helps us scale more quickly, but also enable them to scale on day one. So that way they can not only get their local advertisers advertising, but they can get regional advertisers and even statewide advertisers to advertise who wouldn't be as likely to advertise on one tap into site. But would be likely to advertise on 10, 15, 20, 25 tap into sites in New Jersey. We've grown that large, um, where we now have you know regional and statewide advertisers that are advertising on 20, 30, 40 tap into sites in New Jersey, and then those franchisees get that revenue, and those businesses are able to reach that many people, uh, those and and that local engaged audience in whatever towns they want to reach. So my vision is to you know do what we've done in New Jersey in, in uh, states throughout the country. Um, eventually, uh, you know, it may come to us trying to find a strategic partner that can help scale us across the country um, because I can only do so much. I know what I'm, where, where my limitations are, um, but uh, I would love to see the model um, and tapping to expand and help fill this news desert in all of these towns in the country that so need local news. And frankly, where these local businesses need a reliable, trusted place where they can do their marketing. Um, So many businesses, you know, are um, kind of in effect extorted to advertise on a place like Facebook where um, their, their ads are up with really controversial and, you know, I would say brand delegitimizing content that they really don't want their brand associated with, but they don't have much of a choice if they don't have a, a vehicle like tapping to in their town, um, and it would seem to me that you know most local businesses would rather uh, market themselves locally to locally engaged readers on a site like ours that is you know kid friendly, objective, et cetera, than putting their dollars into social media where you know you never know what your your brand is being aligned with, which I think is is not good for a lot of businesses.
1: So let's take, for example, if there was a um, I don't know, like I'm in Colorado Springs, and I don't know if you have I just doesn't sound like you have a tap into here. but if there was a company here in Colorado Springs or Nashville or you know, somewhere somewhere anywhere, you know, somewhere that you're not, you know, Chicago, um, would they be able to um, actually? be able to do advertising through you and still reach their community? Or would it would it require having a tap into here in the community that I'm in or somebody else is in?
2: Yeah, I mean, they wouldn't be able to, to reach their own community if there is no tap into site there. But like if they were interested in marketing to like people in New Jersey, obviously they could do that or people in New York or Florida, et cetera. Um, and that's why, you know, the more that we expand to other states and other towns, um, the more we're able to help advertisers at at all levels, um, eventually, you know, if we get large enough, we can attract national advertisers who would want to advertise on all the sites in the network throughout the country. Um, what's also interesting is is that, you know, the people doing this generally we look for people who have like sales, business development, or business backgrounds, um, who typically will either do this as a side business, and then they'll partner with or hire a writer or journalist to do the content side, um, or they'll do several tap into sites and do this full time. Um, We also have a model where um, it's one person for a town and they do both the content and the sales. So like on the business side, it's typically five to 10 hours a week for one tap into site. The content side, that's the more labor intensive side. That's usually 15 to 30 hours a week. So what some people do is they'll, they'll get like three franchises in a given area they'll do the business side and then they will hire a full-time reporter who will do the content for those three towns. Um, sometimes though, they'll partner with someone like, um, we have a lot of like husbands and wives doing it together, friends doing it together. We have a father and daughter doing it together where um, you know the father does the content and the daughter does the sales, both doing it part-time. So you could do it that way as well. So it's a pretty flexible model. Um, it's Interestingly, we also have a a nonprofit model where a nonprofit could do this in their community. Um, That works particularly well in a more economically distressed area, which you might not necessarily find people who have the wherewithal to be able to do this. Um, Second is uh, we have a university model uh, where St. Bonaventure University um, uh, franchised as a journalism practicum for their students, which is kind of cool. And um, lastly, we have a hard copy newspaper model where we have six hard copy newspapers that have franchised with uh, with us to be their online site, where they can keep their branding, et cetera, but they're able to take advantage of our really advanced technology at a fraction of what it would cost them to develop their own technology.
1: Wow. You've got a lot of opportunity with this. And it sounds like people have options too, like different ways. And that was kind of Leading me to my next question, where I was thinking about what you said initially, that you started this so that you could have time with your family, um, you know, and be home because you were working and you were gone all the time. Did this give you that? And then as you're scaling that, are, are you are you still able to spend that kind of time or, you know, with your family?
2: Yeah, I mean, I'm in my home right now. <laughs> and, um, and this was before COVID, I was in my home as well. Um, and uh, I don't miss any of my kids' events. Um, My my, my son uh, is all week has been playing in the rec basketball championships. I'm at every game Um, and uh, I'm picking my son up from the bus stop after this, this today. And those were things I could never do as an attorney in New York commuting back and forth from New Jersey and nor can most people do. So I feel really blessed with what I'm doing. And uh, I work probably as many hours as I did as an attorney. But I'm able to work on my schedule, and uh, I'm able to see my wife and kids and uh, and really enjoy what I'm doing, which I think is really important
1: well, and are you are you finding that the people you attract to this, they have that same want and desire for their own lives to be more in control and to have time? and because that kind of stuff is priceless to be able to be at every ball game, be at every, Competition, you know, pick them up at the school bus because those years go so fast. and you know, are you finding that people are are drawn to that?
2: Yeah, yeah, a lot of people are drawn to that. And so what you know, uh, um, so some people they kind of leave their nine to five, so to speak, which is no longer nine to five, to do something like this. Um others, what they do is they start it as a side business. They grow out the revenue and then leave their nine to five once uh, they're tapping into the site is generating enough income for them to leave their full-time job. Um, I also find um, a lot of people are empty nesters where the kids have left and they're like, Hey, we need something to do and we're involved in the community and we have these backgrounds and let's do something fun where we're making a difference and we can make some money and go on some vacations and things like that and, and do that. Um, That's one of the also cool things is that, you know, um, people can do tap into from anywhere. So, um, you know, a lot of times our, one, franchisees can um, set their stories to publish in advance. So if they're gonna go on vacation, they can do that. They don't have to worry about their site while they're gone. Um, but others, you know, they they will log in from Greece or wherever they are and they'll post their content for the day and, and, and be able to do that. So there's a lot of flexibility with it, um, which is great. And um, to answer a question you haven't asked yet, You don't have to live in the town that you franchise. So we do have people who uh, franchise towns nearby. We also have people who franchise towns, like in New Jersey, we have some that own like five tap into sites that are all over the state um, where they've just chosen the communities they want to do this in. They have connections in those towns and they're able to do that as well.
1: And so... So then, do they have a like someone that's in the local town that's doing like going and finding the stories for them? Then they're just connecting with someone there.
2: Yeah. So, like, what'll happen in that case, for example? Um, and we have a couple cases like this where we have franchisees um, that own five of them at this point. And what they'll do is they will hire um, reporters, um, either part time, full time, or freelance. And uh, those those reporters will report on those communities in those communities. And then typically the franchisee will do the sales for those towns, but sometimes they, you know they they might choose to say, "Hey, I'm going to hire a salesperson, so I'm just going to own the franchise, but I'm going to bring on someone to do the sales, and I'm going to you know bring on people to do the content." So that's an option as well. So it's a really flexible business model that basically can work in any community.
1: Wow, you just sound so passionate about this. Um, is this? It, um are you just passionate in general about entrepreneurship or about what you're able to do for people or what? I mean, you seem super passionate about your company.
2: Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I am like, and, and, you know, we'll, we'll be, we'll be turning 15 as a company in October and, and uh, you know, I, I yeah, and no, it just, I, I like jump out of bed in the morning to get to work because like, I love what I do, you know, every day we're helping people, um, you know, we're helping businesses. We're helping uh, people tell their stories. We're, um, you know, we uh, are doing stories that are making a difference in people's lives. Um, you know, we just won in New Jersey. Um, uh, we won four um local news awards out of like ten that were given in the entire state. Um, you know, uh, Franchise Business Review um just awarded us one of the top franchises in the country, which was pretty exciting. Uh, huh. and uh, we just submitted like. 25 stories for awards from the New Jersey Society of Professional Journalists, which last year we won like 15 awards from them. So it's not just a matter of, hey, we're putting out news and we're we're you're helping local businesses. It's like it's high quality. And that to me is really important. You know, um, it's doing it the right way. And if that means that we grow a little bit more slowly because we're doing it the right way, I'd rather do it that way than to have, you know, a thousand sites where people go to them and they're like, Hey, this isn't offering me any kind of, uh, real, real news that I care about, you know?
1: Right. Yeah, for sure. And so are you, are you happy you took the franchising route for expanding the business and going in in that direction?
2: Yeah. I mean, you know, there, there are people, um, who, um, in this industry and others that like have a, a licensing model where they might li- like license their content management system or whatever um i'm really glad we went the franchising model and the reason being is one under a franchise we're allowed to give unlimited support which is really important because if you're a franchisee or you know owner publisher you need a lot of support you need a lot of training you need ongoing support um and we provide it i mean not only do we provide initial training. But we have um, monthly live content and sales webinars um, that are recorded. So if they can't watch them live, they can listen to them later. Um, we also um, have quarterly franchisee meetings, which are videotaped, where we provide continuing education. Um, we have an intranet that has all kinds of prior you know, sales and, and content training and everything that they could possibly need. And then we also have um, a full-time director of content, who's there for any content questions. They can review a story before it goes to publication. They can brainstorm story ideas. I'm, believe it or not, still available on the sales side where I provide um, not only the initial sales training, but I'm there for any sales questions to look at proposals before they go to an advertiser to brainstorm before a franchisee goes in to speak with a client. We have two full-time customer service specialists that are there um, Uh, Let's see, they're there 12 hours a day, Monday through Friday, and they're there on the weekends for any kind of questions franchisees might have. They're available by text, phone, uh, email. And then we have a head of operations that supervises customer service, but is also there to do all the billing, all the credit card processing, the advertisers, all the invoicing, all the collections. So the franchisees don't need to worry about that. And then we have four full-time developers that are constantly working on new features for the site and taking tap into to the next level. You know, and we're under a license situation, we wouldn't be able to provide, you know, a fraction of that. Um, And then the other key thing with a franchise is the franchisee owns the business, whereas under a license, they don't. They're kind of renting the business. So our franchisees have the right to sell their franchise, um, and there's very little restriction on that. So, one, they can build equity in the business and then sell it if they wish to. Um, Sometimes what happens is a franchisee, say their husband or wife, gets a job transfer. Well, then they need to sell their business. They can't keep running their local site, if they, especially if they move out of state. So this gives them the flexibility to be able to do that, um, which is kind of unique because in most franchise situations, it's not as easy to sell the franchise. But second is, is that um, you have like a, a bricks and mortar location or whatever, which makes it a little bit more difficult to be able to sell, whereas this is online. So it's much easier to transfer. Um, which is, which is great as well. But, um, I'm really glad we went the franchise route because then our franchisees are truly invested in the success of their franchise and we're invested in the success of them. Um, which I think is also really important. Um, how we're actually structured in terms of a franchise, which is also kind of unique is that the franchise fee they pay us, that only breaks us even. So if they don't succeed, we don't succeed. Um, only if they succeed, do we make a profit. And I purposely built it that way because I want our interest to be a hundred percent aligned. And so if they're successful, we're successful, and so we're driven to make sure that they're successful.
1: And so you, if they don't make that back in the first year or something, or how do you how do you how does that look? I've never heard of that before.
2: Yeah, so I mean, basically what happens is um, you know they pay us um, there's a, a small initial franchise fee, and then there's a monthly license fee. Those fees cover our cost. Um, on the revenue side, there's a 90-10 revenue split. They get 90, we get 10. That 10 and that 90 um, include um, uh credit card fee. So for example, if a business pays by credit card, we really get 7%, um, but um, that percentage, whether it's 10% or 7%, that's our profit margin. So whatever revenue they bring in, that's the only profit that we make, and we only make a, a small percentage of that. So it, when they're successful, we make money, if they're not successful, then we take a you know we 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 break even. We don't make any money on their franchise, which I thought is really important because in most franchises, you know, there's such a large initial fee that the franchisor makes money regardless of how successful the franchisee is. With us, it doesn't work that way, um, which I'm pretty proud about because, like, um that to me is it's pretty unique. and um and I love the fact that, you know, our interests are one hundred percent aligned. um you know, and I strongly believe in that, that, you know, we, we shouldn't profit off the franchisee if they're not making a profit, you know?
1: Right. Yeah. Did you come up with that initially when you first developed the franchise or did you start with another model and then say, whoa, we need to change gears on this? Yeah, no,
2: I came up with it originally and I could tell
1: you like our franchise at
2: the time thought I was nuts. They're like, no, you need to make profit on every franchise you sell. And I was like, no, that's not what we're gonna do, you know? And like the way that I looked at it was the same way that in terms of tap into itself, because you know, I came into tap into, I didn't have a sales background, I didn't have a journalism background, and I kind of invented it and evolved it as I did it. So when we started the franchise, I looked at it the same way. I'm like, yeah, I know what other people do, but like I wanna make this unique and I wanna I want to better what currently happens. So if I can do something that's going to better, you know, and provide a better experience for our franchisees, I wanna be able to do that. And, um, you know, and and we still do that today. Like um, we, you we know, we have a franchisee advisory council and we do an annual franchisee survey and we take it really seriously. Whatever feedback they give us, we work on every single item and then report back to them about, you know, what we did to address it and all that kind of stuff, which to me is really important because in a lot of franchise systems, you know, you pay your money and you might complain or you might, you know, have suggestions and, you know, it's those good franchisors, in my opinion, that then you'll reach out to that franchisee and say, hey, tell me more about this. What can I do to improve this? And then actually take action on that, which, you know, I spend a good chunk of my time doing because we want to be the best we can be and provide the best experience for everyone. Like we have on our side, we have so many customers because we have the advertisers. We have the readers and we have the franchisees and we look at them all as really important customers that we need to not only satisfy but be the best we can be you know and that's the way i kind of run the company is that at all times we need to be constantly trying to improve and better ourselves regarding regarding each of those three customers that we have
1: yeah that's amazing i, I it sounds like you have an amazing model and, um, really, um a model that gives a real low risk for somebody because you're you're equally invested in what they've got going on. so that that's that's incredible. um, starting out, is there anything that you wish you would have known when you first started franchising that you know, looking back, um did you start to franchise right away, or how many years into having the company? i, I don't know if you
2: yeah, no um so i we started franchising five years into it. Um, and, um, four years into it, we actually did licensing for about nine months, but then I discovered what the problems were with licensing. So then we, we converted those licensees to franchisees. We offer the conversion and then we started franchising. Um, so I think that, you know, I think the things looking back was one, uh, franchising earlier, meaning, you know, instead of licensing, franchising from day one, I think that would have been something that we should have done, uh, looking back, um, the other thing was, um, you know, we um, in the beginning, before we even had the idea of, of licensing, um, we, um, we raised a little bit of money and we also like uh, had people help us for like sweat equity. And um, I think at the end of the day, that wasn't a good decision because, um, you know, we didn't raise a lot of money um, and we didn't really get all that much benefit out of the sweat equity. Um, but you know, I, I'm thankfully, you know, i I've still been able to maintain like a large majority shareholder of the company. Um, but if I had that equity today, there's a lot of things I could do that i I can't do because it it is gone. Um, so I think you know, when people are thinking about, um and I say this to our franchisees all the time, like if you're gonna give equity in your business, understand that you'll 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 likely never get it back. So you have to really think, long and hard before you give equity and it needs to be for something that's really important you know and don't let people convince you oh this is important you need to really you know really think long and hard at whether this is truly important for your business to have um, and so that would be um, another thing and then I think um, I think third um, the third thing was um, I wish I had known earlier who our ideal franchisees were um, for the first I would say the first five years we were franchising we were primarily looking for writers and journalists to franchise and what we found was they can um, do a great job on the content side and they can drive really good site traffic but most journalists if they're doing the sales side don't have like a sales bone in their bodies there are some that do but the vast majority don't and um and i wish i had known that because i went into it as i as i mentioned without any sales background so I went into it with the idea that, hey, when we bring on franchisees, I can train anyone to do sales and they're gonna be successful and I'm gonna work with them, et cetera. But what we found was those those writers who are the franchisees, um, they, on average, they make half what the people who have, or even less other than half, of what the people who have business backgrounds who own a tap into franchise make. So um, about three years ago, you know, we, we reversed the model. So we said, instead of looking for journalists, let's look for business people people with business development background, sales background to be the franchisee, and then they can hire or partner with the writer or a journalist to do the content side. That's the best model. Um, we still are able to, and we do franchise to, to to journalists who want a franchise, but in terms of them, we either say to them, look, you either have to have a sales background or you need to have a sales partner because we want you to be su- as successful as our other franchisees. Um, and so um, so that's that was a key learning that, you know, we learn fairly late in the process.
1: Yeah. And I noticed on your website that you lay that out. You've got the, I think you have like five or six things that make a good franchisee. And then below, if you're one of these, then this is probably not for you, which I think is great. If someone's looking into it and they go, oh man, I'm three of those five down there, that that's maybe not, this is maybe not a good fit or I'm three of these five up here. This would be an incredible fit. And you lay the expectation out. And I think that's, that's really neat you know um
2: yeah that's important because you know you don't like to me um you don't want to bring people into your system that that you know are not going to be successful not only because obviously we don't make money with that happens but more importantly is that that person is not successful and that hurts your 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 brand it hurts your credibility etc so to me it's much better to take fewer people in as franchisees who are qualified and have the skill set to be successful, um, then to take 50 people in, of which only, you know, half or a quarter are gonna be successful. To me, that doesn't make any sense, you know?
1: I'm I'm just intrigued because you started out as an attorney and then you went to entrepreneurship. And have did you ever before becoming an attorney dream of being an entrepreneur? Or was it totally driven just by the your mere circumstances and your life circumstances of you know, you just needed a change and you needed to define something or had you ever thought about it before, before that? Yeah. I mean,
2: I'd always been entrepreneurial, but never had a way to like to, to put it into action, you know? So I always had all these ideas in my head. Um, and, um, but never, never had that opportunity because I was always working all the time and commuting and all this kind of stuff. And even before that, like even when I was in law school and in other places, I was I was still in that kind of frame of mind where I have this idea or that idea, but I don't have a way to do it because I don't have the capital to do it. I don't have the time to do it, et cetera. And um, so, you know, by doing this, it kind of brought everything together because I had that entrepreneurial spirit. Um, I was always somebody who was very involved in the community. So that helped with that. Um, the fact, obviously with my wife and son, that was important. And, um, so this kind of brought all those worlds together and kind of, it was kind of like the perfect storm in a good way that, uh, enabled me to do this.
1: Yeah. I, I, I love your story and I love, I love the motivation behind getting you started. Um, you know, in, in this business, I think, I think just that in and of itself is incredible. Um. So it sounds like it's been fairly easy. Have there been any really tough times in building this, or things that you look back on and go, "That was really hard"?
2: Oh yeah, I mean, you know, just like any business, you're—it's like a roller coaster. So you're always going to have ups and downs. Um, I mean, you know, I think uh, one of the one of the things, and I forgot to mention this before, in terms of you know things that I would have changed, you know, in the past was um, for the first like. Like two years or so that I was doing tap into, um I was mostly doing the content side um I wasn't involved on the sales side, and I had um, commissioned salespeople doing the sales And one of the salespeople was was was, uh, was pretty good, but um in terms of it um i we weren't making when when I first started this is before franchising you know we weren't making money we were losing money like the first two years because like I was in you know investing in all this technology and all this kind of stuff and my you know um my my bank account slowly went to zero and then my 401k started to go to zero and my wife was like well what are we going to do because like we're not making money and then you know i talked to um one of our uh, one of our first advertisers and, and he's still an advertiser today and uh still like really supportive and he said mike like you're the best salesperson the company has why aren't you out selling? I'm like, I've never sold anything. I don't know how to sell. And he's like, well, you figured everything else out. I think you can figure out how to sell this, you know, how to sell advertising. And so I put my mind to it and then I took the sales side of the business and then I brought on people to do the content side of the business and it turned the whole business around. And um, that was one, a really key thing to learn. And I think that's important for anyth- anyone looking into franchising or starting their own business, that in general, they're their best salesperson. Because um, they're the one who's most passionate about it. They know the product best, which I think is really important. Um, and so um, that was a, a key thing that I that that I learned, um, which I think obviously made a huge difference in terms of the company. There's always been other you know tough times. I mean, you know where you know things will happen, and you just have to kind of be even keel. And um, and I, I tell this to our franchisees too, because you know just like tap into itself is my business their franchise is their business. So they're going to have ups and downs and um, they just have to kind of, you know, go with the punches, so to speak. And tomorrow is going to be a better day. And you just shake it off and you get up and you jump out of bed and yet you have the best day possible. Um, And I think that's really important because I think, you know, sometimes I'll go through a string of like a week or two where um, I'm having sales appointments and I'm not closing those sales. And, You know, it gets in your head and you're like, hey, am I doing something wrong? What's going on? And then sure enough, you know, the following week, you close three sales and you're like, ah, see, it wasn't me, you know, and that still happens to me today. So, um, but that's the kind of thing I'm talking about. You know, you might have a reader reach out and they're particularly nasty. Well, you know what? You have like 30,000 people in your town. That's one person. Don't let it get to you, you know, respond. Don't blow your stack. Be even keel. Be respectful and move on. You know, don't worry about it. Um, you know, and that to me is also really important. Any kind of communication you have, particularly in writing, I always was taught, and this goes back to law school, imagine if it's published on, on the front page of the New York Times. So anytime you respond to someone, respond in a way, if you have to wait a day to respond because you need to cool down, do that, but respond in a very uh, a, a very um, calm and, and nice way. Um, that nobody can use that against you, uh, and move on because you have bigger fish to fry than that one reader in town who's making your life miserable that day. You know,
1: I, I love that. <laughs> that's, that's a golden nugget right there. I, I love that. Um, and I want to honor your time. Cause I know we talked about about 45 minutes and so I think we're almost there, but, um, I have a couple more questions for you if you have a yeah, little bit. Sure.
2: Yeah, Absolutely.
1: But sounds like from your from your um, tough times, you're able to then that helps you to relate to your franchisees, you know, from the things that you you've grown through and the things that, you know, have come up for you. Um, and so that's that's got that's incredible, I think, you know, to be able to you can look back then on those tough times and, and say, OK, this is going to benefit somebody else, you know, later on um, that's running into the same thing you are because you've, you've been in the trenches, you've done it, you've, y- you know, you've been where they are right um, Oh Yeah. A hundred
2: percent. And like, even today, like I'm still fully involved in terms of the content side and the sales side of the business. So I still go on sales calls. I go with franchisees sometimes to their local sales appointment. Um, and, um, and I even do like regional sales. And so like, I'm hearing, you know, from those advertisers, what their objections are or what their questions are. And then I'm able to, to do sessions for our franchisees on, Hey, you know, here's something new I learned, you know, that kind of thing. Um, and also, um, on a daily basis, if not an hourly basis, franchisees reach out to me and say, Hey Mike, like I just got this letter to the editor and I think it might, you know, be libelous. Can you give it a read? Or they might say, hey, like I had a fr- franchisee right before this call. It was like, hey, Mike, and he's been with us a long time. But he said, hey, Mike, you know, I've had this meeting with this advertiser. Can you look at this proposal and give me feedback? Because I'm not sure which way to go with it. And I'll give them feedback based on my experience with an advertiser of that kind of business and, and that kind of budget and things like that, which I think is really important. Um, I even do um, most of our monthly sales webinars still. We'll bring in outside speakers for some of them. But um, I I still do most of them um, where I will, you know, take a given topic and break it down and and really go through it with our owner publishers. Um, Even this Friday, um, I had this idea and it came from one of our franchisees. They said to me, hey, Mike, you know, for franchisees who've been here a long time, like, you know, your initial training for franchisees has has evolved over time. And it is available via recording on our intranet, you know, a video um, but they said, it'd be really great if you could do this live for, for us. So I'm doing that this Friday. And I particularly invited all of our franchisees that are three years and older, but all of them are invited to attend. Um, and we have a huge turnout for it this Friday. So that's pretty exciting because like um, they're they're going to get that training that we now provide to a first year franchisee coming in because so many things change over a period of 10 years, you know? And so you need to stay on top of it, and uh, so this is this will be a really good thing that we'll be doing, you know. Well,
1: and you sound like a very hands-on franchisor, and you're you're their mentor and the person that it sounds like that they turn to and that they feel good turning to. I mean, with the fact that they're calling you to look over proposals and you know help them through through the you know the daily grind of things. And so, just out of curiosity, then do you have someone that you mentor with for? Doing your, you know, running your franchise, or is there anybody that you look to for advice? Or yeah, I mean, I I,
2: I wish I had I had people like that. I mean, um, but you know, it's it's a space that's so unique that there's really nobody for me to to necessarily you know relate with. Um, there are people, for example, at the local media association that I have you know calls with. Um, I would say probably like bi monthly where these are people who are experts in local news and they'll say, hey, Mike, what are you working on? And here's what we're hearing and that kind of stuff, which is helpful. Um, and, you know, I have a couple of people who, um, who I will turn to to say, hey, I had this idea. What do you think about it? That kind of thing. But the space is so, um, in terms of, you know, franchised online local news sites, one else doing it. So it's uh, it's hard to like if there were other people in the space, I could be like, hey, let's have like a, a monthly call where we can talk about stuff. But there, that doesn't exist, you know. So um, but like the the um, these different people that I mentioned are are good because they are in local news. And so while they're not in franchising, um, they understand what's going on in local news um, uh, and they're involved in terms of like local business marketing. So those are people who, while they can't, you know, relate to me on the franchise level, they can in terms of local news and local business marketing, you know, and I I value their opinion on those kinds of things.
1: Awesome. Well, so this is my last question. It sounds like you are definitely in an industry that you're trailblazing the way, um, you know, that you're, you're kind of pioneering it really. And so I just want to ask, do you have any projects exciting projects you're working on or will be working on in the future that you want to share or anything that you want anything more that you want to share about what you guys have going on
2: oh yeah well, we always have a ton going on but i mean one thing we're working on right now is a um uh front-end redesign of the site uh and so that's a big project that we're working on uh and then um uh towards the end of this year beginning of next year we're going to be redesigning uh, our app um and so that's a big project and then um End of next year, we're going to be um, redesigning our billing system. Um, it's a really cool system, but it, and, and all of our technology is proprietary. Like we've built it from scratch, um, but this billing system—it's um, a really integral part of our business. But we really want to make it a, a more user-friendly and um, and more sophisticated. So that so that's basically like the next year and a half on the development side. Um, in terms of other things, we're always introducing like new technology or or technology we haven't been using that we think will be better for our franchisees. So like, for example, starting January 1st, um, we started using DocuSign for them to be able to have their contracts actually signed at meetings and stuff. Before that we were doing like hard copy contracts. Um, so that's been a big change that we're doing this year, but we're always looking for things like that, that can improve what we're doing, make it more efficient and more effective for everybody involved. Um, and, uh. And so those are a couple of key things that we're, that we've been working on.
1: So exciting. And I, I, Josh, I have one more question. (laughs) Sure, sure. If someone is looking at franchising, what, or being a franchisee, purchasing a franchise, um, what would you say to them? Like, what would be the benefit in, in owning a franchise? You know, why get into the industry? Maybe, you know, something, if someone's just kind of, you know, searching out that
2: that avenue for business? Yeah, I mean, you know, I think if you're somebody who's who's looking to own your own business uh, and have like a, a quality of life that you can control, um, I think a, a franchise opportunity is really important and is a, is a great way to go. Um, and I think it's somebody who who is also looking in our case to also um, make a difference in their community. You know, um, a lot of franchise systems, it's just purely business and that's fine. But with us, um, I think, You know the the idea that you you want to give something back to your community and you want to improve your community i think is a a a key part of it um obviously we want people who want to have successful businesses and they want to make money um but ideally it's also somebody who who cares about their community or the community they want to do this in and wants to improve that community and make it even stronger
1: i love that well I have thoroughly enjoyed our conversation. I've learned a lot from you, and um, I'm, I've, I wish you all the best in the future, and I look forward to seeing you grow to 200, 300, 400. I hope you come to Colorado Springs someday. I hope um, somebody here opens up one of your franchises. That would be awesome.
2: So well, thank you. Michelle, thank you so much for having me. Um, and you know if anybody's interested in, in you know, uh, information, they can go to Start app dot net. There, there's initial information. They can, we have a monthly webinar they can sign up for, and they can even sign up to get on my calendar and have a one-on-one with me where I can talk with them. So uh, I really appreciate the opportunity, Michelle, and I really enjoyed speaking with you. And and thank you so much.
1: Yes, thank you. And thank you for sharing where they can reach out to you. I was going to ask you that next. So thanks so much. Thanks for um, spending some time with me today. And um, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks.
0: Thank you so much for joining us today. Michelle's hope is that this podcast inspires you to continue to press forward on your business journey as a chosen business owner. If you enjoyed the ideas shared here, please subscribe to the podcast and leave a five-star review on iTunes and Spotify. Please share this episode with anyone you think will also find value here. You can find short video clips of the best moments from the episode, at chosenbusinessowner.com and on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. Keep pressing on chosen business owners